Today's scripture reading is uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12, and 17 to 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom and for that town. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the exciting word of the Lord. Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Nathan. Uh, I am not a pastor at Cornerstone, but I am on staff with Crew or Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, where I do campus ministry for college students, uh, mainly at Rutgers, New Brunswick, Piscataway, but also at Rutgers and Camden and NGIT up in Newark. Uh, and it's been honestly a lot, uh, kind of a while since I've last preached, but I'm excited to go through uh, the next series uh, in Luke uh, in chapter 10, where we'll be looking at how Jesus calls the 72 and it's going to be pretty missions related so i'm going to share a bunch of stories uh in my own previous experience in missions uh and not too long ago as far as what i've been doing on campus so let me start us off with a quick word of prayer and then we're going to get into it because there is a lot uh to talk about so let me pray for us lord we thank you for this morning that we can come together even virtually lord to be able to worship you, to be able to hear your word, and to learn what it looks like for each of us to live missionally. And I pray that each of us answer your calling for us. And I pray for myself, Lord, that I be able to speak your words and not my own. So we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm generally a three-point sermon kind of guy, but there's so much in this passage 
that I have five points that I'm going to talk about today. The first one, uh, and all these points are how God calls us in specific ways. And we're going to glean these from how he calls the 72 in Luke 10. So the first one is that Jesus calls us to community. Jesus calls us to community. Verse 1 says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, in life in general, it is much easier to go with somebody else, in a community or with somebody, one other person at least. Even when it comes to group projects at school, a lot of us dread those because a lot of times our partners are terrible uh, and they don't pull their own weight. But in experiences where I have had group members who carried their weight and were dependable and also even had my back, it was a great experience. Things like traveling are also great when it comes to doing it in groups or with somebody else, especially when it's traveling late at night, uh, especially if you're walking through a town or something like that. It's just even if it's not that dangerous, it's just nice to walk with somebody. Uh, and it's especially nice to be with others in community through hard times, whether it's loss of family members or going through periods of depression in your life. And even right now in the pandemic, you know, I have to talk about the pandemic at some point. Um, a lot of us are living in some kind of isolation. And that is not how we are meant to live. Uh, and through the hardships of the pandemic, it's very easy for us to feel isolated, but it's even more important for us to feel like we need to actually be in community. And when we are in community, when we are with others, it helps us avoid dangers, physical dangers, spiritual dangers, physical, uh, psychological and emotional dangers, as well as it helps us keep accountable uh, and that we can walk the straight and narrow for Christ. So that is how we, uh, how and why we are called to community. The second thing that Christ calls us to is that we are called to prayer. Christ calls us to prayer. Verse 2 says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And oftentimes a lot uh, we don't see prayer as an action, as an active thing. If I were to tell you that I spent eight hours praying yesterday, you might say, that's great, but what did you do? What did you get done? That was maybe even a waste of time. But for Christ, prayer is always the first option, not the last resort. And I mean, we see here, you know, the, the, Famous quote from Christ, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Oftentimes when we hear that, we think about sending people off to countries uh, where there's a lot of unreached peoples or going into the inner city to preach the gospel or do uh, social justice, whatever. Um, but oftentimes we don't think the first thing to do is to pray. But that is exactly what Christ calls us to do. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. 
And it reminds me of going into New York uh, with a team from Cornerstone um, a few years back uh, with Global Gates, where we sifted in neighborhoods in Queens, uh, specifically amongst the Bangladeshi neighborhoods, uh, for people of peace. Um, we were there for five days, but the first two days were dedicated to nothing but prayer. Uh, so we spent two whole days just walking around these neighborhoods praying. And it was really hard because it felt like we weren't doing anything. Uh, but it was really humbling because we realized that we need to invite the Holy Spirit to really be in this place and soften people's hearts. And that's what Christ calls us to, to prayer first. Um, and yeah, so five days on this mission, first two days were spent praying. Uh, and then the next three days we were spending uh, talking to people. Uh, so after we had prayed for these homes, the businesses, the people in the parks, the people on the street, the people driving by, then after we were done praying, then we preached to them and we spoke to them and we shared the gospel with them. And that is the model that Christ himself laid down for us. And that should be the model that we follow as well. So that is our second thing is that we are called to prayer. The third thing that Christ calls us to is that we are called to trust in him. Verse four to eight says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, say first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now, I think this is maybe the hardest thing for many of us, if not all of us, to do amongst all the things that Christ is calling us to in this passage. And the reason it's so hard is because we as people value comfort and security. It's part of the Asian culture, it's part of the American culture, it's part of the Asian American culture, and I argue it's part of every single culture in the world that we long for comfort. And the things that Jesus calls the 72 to not bring are basic comforts, money, stuff, shoes, sandals or shoes for your feet, uh, a place to call home or just stay, and food. Those are like the basic necessities, not even of comfort, but of life. But Christ is calling us to not depend on those things because he is sufficient. Um, I am the kind of guy who likes to plan. If I'm going on a trip, if I'm going to go do something, I like to plan it all out so I know exactly what, what's going to happen and how we're going to do it. Uh, and I was in the UK working with a Chinese overseas mission with, uh, that's where our missionary Vivian Ma and previously Pastor Ian, uh, who was also a missionary before, uh, that's where they used to, uh, that's where he used to serve. Uh, but they run this thing, it's called Fat Camp every summer. And it's essentially a youth camp um, or youth retreat. And it's five days long, so it's, it's a relatively long uh, retreat. And it's long days, late nights. So at the end of this retreat, I was, I was dead. I was so tired. I was just ready to crash. And 
I went with my good friend Bobby Chow, so some of you might know him as well. Uh, and if you do know him, you'll know he is one of the most extroverted people you'll ever meet. And he is not a planner. So he comes up to me at the end of the, the retreat and is like, hey, Nathan, I'm thinking about going into London. Uh, and we were uh, in the Midlands near Birmingham, if you care. It's hours away from London. And he's just like, um, and he asked me to take his bag back to the COCM headquarters, which is where we were staying that night. And I had so many questions because I was like, how are you going to get there? He's like, oh, I'm probably going to take the train. Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. Uh, are you going to come back tonight? I don't know. He had zero plan. And I wasn't going with him, but I was incredibly uncomfortable on his behalf because it was so far out of my own comfort zone. And even though I didn't go with him and Bobby wasn't even going to really do like evangelism or missions per, uh, per se, um, if that was something that God was calling me to, to just literally just go, I would be far outside of my comfort zone. But in some ways, in some form, God is calling each of us to leave our comfort zone and trust in him. Because it's only when we are left with nothing that we can see how God can provide in miraculous ways. And this is, again, maybe one of the hardest things for us to let go. But it is essential for us to trust God in these ways. So that is how Christ is calling us to trust in him. The fourth thing that Christ calls us to is that he has called us to proclaim the gospel and care for others. Verse 9 of Luke 10 says, Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, as far as instructions, there have been a lot of instructions on how to get there, what to bring, where to stay, all these things. But when it comes to the message and what the ministry is about it's incredibly simple. And it's our point. It's that we are to proclaim the gospel and care for others. It's as simple as that. And a lot of times we dance around the gospel. We dance around uh, faith. And we talk about things that are kind of peripheral that don't actually matter. But what Christ very directly calls them to do is to proclaim the gospel and to really care for others. So he's really calling us to care and heal people on a physical and spiritual level. But the most important thing is to proclaim the gospel and the kingdom of God. I remember the first, uh, not the first, actually the last day uh, Rutgers was open. Uh, it was crazy enough. It was about a year ago. Uh, and students were packing up. They were going home. Students were expecting, uh, it was right before spring break. So some students were thinking foolishly now thinking that they would just have a longer spring break, maybe two weeks instead of just one, let alone an entire year of being in isolation in the pandemic. But that last day, I spent it in the student center with one of my other students, and the two of us just went, and we were trying to share the gospel with those students who were still left behind. And we use what's called a quest survey, which is a survey we usually use it just to basically ask people, hey, we're trying to learn what people believe on campus. And it's spiritually centered, so it's a great tool to start a conversation. 
but it's just that. It's just a tool. Uh, we use it to start what we call a spiritual conversation, which will hopefully lead into a gospel conversation and a gospel presentation where we can really share the gospel and what we believe as Christians. Um, and honestly, like the, the, the quest survey is great. I love the quest survey, but the quest survey means nothing if it isn't paired and doesn't lead to the gospel. Um, and that is what Christ is really telling us, that everything all these peripheral things, none of it really matters. But the message that's most important is proclaiming the gospel, that the kingdom of God is at hand. So it's a sim- it is as simple as that. Christ is calling us to proclaim the gospel and care for others. The fifth thing that Christ calls us to is to rejoice in salvation. Verse 20 says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so oftentimes we love to tell and focus on ourselves and tell people how awesome we are. And the 72 were focusing on what they did through the power of God versus what God did through them. And it's a very subtle but profound difference between somebody emphasizing what they did for God versus what God has done through them. I'll say that again. It is a subtle but profound difference between us emphasizing what we did for God versus what God did through us. And again, the 72 focus on what they did, even if it was through the power of God, they focus on themselves rather than what God was doing. And the greatest thing that God has done is provide salvation for us. It says that uh, we are to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And the greatest thing that God has done is bring us salvation, as I just said. And the salvation brought by Jesus. And at the time, it's a little confusing because Jesus is still alive. But all all the, the things that lead up to it are already in place. And salvation was already at hand. So those are the things that we're supposed to focus on. We're supposed to celebrate not what we have done, but what God has done through the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and being raised up again three days later to bring us life and for us to be united with God. And that is what we are to rejoice in, salvation. So those are the five things that I feel Christ is calling the 72 in Luke but also us today, that we are called to community. We are called to prayer. We are called to trust in him. We are called to proclaim the gospel and care for others. We are called to rejoice in salvation. But I have a bonus calling, not to say that I am Jesus or anything, uh, but this is a bonus calling that kind of sums all of it up into one idea. And that is that each of us is called to live missionally. Matthew 28, 19 very famously says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now the command or the imperative is not go, but it is to make disciples. The verb go is maybe better translated as, as you are going or as you are already going. It is assumed as followers of Jesus that we are already going, that we are already living missionally. And he's just telling us how to do that. 
Because it's not a matter of if you are being called to live missionally. It is how you are being called to live missionally. Maybe you're being called to live missionally amongst college students in New Jersey, like myself. Maybe you're being called to live missionally amongst unreached people groups halfway around the world. But more likely, you're being called to live missionally amongst your coworkers, amongst your classmates. Maybe God is calling you to live missionally amongst your neighbors, your family, and friends. And maybe God is calling you to live missionally towards complete strangers. And what comforts is God calling you to give up in your life? Things that may be holding you back from serving and living missionally. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe God is calling you to to financially support a missionary in need. Maybe he's calling you to give up your job and go into the mission field. Maybe he's calling you not to take that promotion to give yourself more time to minister to your family or spend more time at church. Maybe he's calling you to give up a relationship that prevents you from serving. For me, for those of you who don't know, uh, I used to work as an IT project manager uh, for a pharmaceutical company. And coming out of college, this was an incredibly promising career for me. It had a healthy paycheck, and for all intents and purposes, I had kind of made it. I had all the comforts and securities that a young 20-year-old kid, uh, a kid in their 20s, could ever ask for. But I felt like God was calling me to something different. And I gave all that up to pursue a life of ministry and to go into and face a lot of these unknowns, but more importantly, to rely on God and see how he was working in my own life. And our church theme this year is to reach one, to teach one. And Luke 10 is almost a guidebook on how to get started with that. How we are ourselves to live missionally and to make disciples who will in turn live missionally missionally, and make disciples themselves. Because each of us is called to community. Each of us is called to prayer. Each of us is called to trust in the Lord. And each of us is called to proclaim the gospel and care for others. Each of us is called to rejoice in salvation. And each of us is called to live missionally. Crew has this saying of uh, 100% sent. We want all of our students, 100% of our students, to be sent in their own unique way. And I didn't really understand what this meant for a long time until I went on my first cruise summer mission to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, which is maybe not the most exotic or sexy mission field, but it was where I really understood what living missionally for, for a normal person looks like. And it was it's a 10-week summer mission for our students. Uh, and I was actually only there for six months of it because staff actually leave and actually hand off a lot of the responsibilities, the real mission to the students after six weeks. Uh, but one of the biggest aspects of the mission is that our students get jobs. A lot of them were working at McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts, kind of just kind of very casual summer jobs. But the purpose of these jobs was for them to share the gospel with their coworkers. 
And many of them did. And they had a lot of spiritual conversations and a lot of gospel conversations. And many of them shared the gospel with their coworkers. Not a ton of people uh, were super receptive, but people did come to Christ. And that was when I understood what 100% sent means. That's when I understood what missionally, living missionally means. It doesn't mean that we have to go to far off lands to proclaim the gospel. We can do it right here, right now with the people that we see every single day. So for you, how, where, and to whom is God calling you to live missionally today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the 72 who went out boldly. We thank you for your instructions and how we can live missionally. I pray that you give us the boldness, Lord, to be able to do that ourselves. That we can live missionally every single day. That we can proclaim the gospel, Lord. That we can come to you every single day and seek you. And we pray that we have opportunities with our coworkers, with our family members, our friends, or random people around us, Lord, to be able to share the good news of the gospel with them, Lord. And we pray that we be able to step out in faith and that we be able to trust you in your provision. So we thank you for all that you've done and we pray that we be able to serve you faithfully. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Cornerstone. It's great to preach once again, and I'll see you next week.